strongest stars have hearts of fiber. I'm going to force the forces with me. That's not how the force works. Well, that starts somewhere. Welcome everybody to the KyberCast. This is episode number 47, recorded April 30th, 2020. My name is Joe Becker. I'm one of your hosts, and our other host is Michael Diaz. How's it going, Joe? Michael, how are you? So have I been saying your name wrong this whole time? Well, how have you been saying my name? I don't know. I said Diaz. I said Diaz. Okay. You sounded more like an S than a Z. I thought maybe I screwed up this whole time. It is. Well, it's Spanish, so yeah. it is an S. Gotcha. So I have been slightly wrong, and I apologize. You know after all, after 47 episodes, I finally... Uh... <laughs> well, that's okay. I can say after 46 years, I'm used to hearing it both ways, so it's not a big deal. Right. Well, yes, it is. It should always be right. It should be a well, Technically, technically, it should, probably, it should probably be pronounced Diaz. Right. Well, I'll try. No, it's okay. It's not a big I don't pronounce it that way. It's, <laughs> oh. Whatever. More important things. Right. More important things. This is a, a, going to be one of those episodes that I'm excited about because obviously it's going to be a little more Star Wars heavy. We will go into uh, a few things today. We're going to get into the Clone Wars, the... Um, Siege of Mandalore story arc. Michael and I will discuss episodes part one and two. Um, we have two more episodes left, uh, and that'll come out actually probably midnight tonight, I think, as we're recording this on Thursday. Um, but I, I kind of wanted to start the show real quick, Mike. It's been one year since Endgame has been out in the theater. It feels like five years for some reason, but it's only been one year. And I got to watch, or I did watch Endgame the other night, with the Russo brothers live stream on Instagram. And I got to tell you, I had a blast and it was fun to watch that movie again. It's one of our earliest episodes too. If anybody wanted to listen to an early episode where we break down end game, it's one of our, our earliest episodes together as we started this new podcast together. Um, I just said, uh, I just wanted a quick thought on, on your end of where we are a year later with Endgame. You know, I, I saw that they were going to do that and then it just kind of slipped my mind. So I really, my question was, I think you already said that you had a blast, but, how was it watching it? I mean, were they were they tweeting? Were they doing commentary? How did that work? So they, the first hour and a half, they did live stream, talked over the movie. So like him and his brother, and they had a special guest, and that special guest was Robert Downey Jr. who joined the stream. So we got to hear a lot of good stories while they talked. Now, granted, you're listening to them, not necessarily watching the movie straight away. You kind of, you know, people like you and I probably have seen it at least three or four times, so I know what's going to happen, right? But it was really cool to – it was a little bit better than just hearing the track on a Blu-ray or something, if you've done that before, which I have, where the director kind of talks. Because there's people asking questions and their faces light up and uh, when they're talking. And it was really like, – with all the stuff going on in the world right now, there's not, it's, it's not really important. But it was a great way to take my mind off things. And it was nice to interact with like, holy crap, there's you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. too. And he's talking and he was pleasant and – and it was fun. It was, it was really good. Then they, then they moved over to Twitter the second half, and they were answering questions a little quicker there because they could pick and choose. And um, but it was really good. It sounds like fun, and I'm I'm surprised they brought in Robert Downey Jr. 
only because, I mean, he's been kind of public about, you know, he's done, he's done, but we know he's going to be in Black Widow in some way, shape, or form. I don't know that it's been confirmed 100% whether or not he's actually filmed a small scene, because it does take place, obviously, before this film. Right. Or if it's just archival footage. They haven't come out and said. All we know is for sure Tony Stark is they in could there have, somewhere. They could have technically shot at while they shot Endgame or something. Who knows? Just I need this shot. Who knows? But it makes Same me wonder, is our DJ really done with MCU? Is he? I mean, we keep hearing he's done, and I'm glad he didn't show up in Homecoming. Not Homecoming. Far From Home. But right. in a way... I mean, but he played... He was heavy in that, though. He was like Luke Skywalker in... Uh, in Force Awakens, right? Even though, though he showed up, and right, even though RDJ didn't really show up, you know, we they had all the Iron Man icon iconography everywhere because obviously, you know, he died right. to save the world. But I don't know if he's, you know, I, I'm starting to suspect he's maybe not really going away. I think he is. I, I, it, it, that wasn't what this is about. It was really a celebration, and it was something. And he's still friends with the Russo brothers, and he just kind of did it as a a fun thing to do. And I think, listen, he's an actor. He is vain. He, he says it even in the pot. He goes, listen, no, he, he admits it in, in a lot of things. He likes the adoration and where is he going to get more adoration than in his life, the rest of his life as other than being Iron Man, not do little, that ain't going to do it for him. No. So, but at the end of the day, it was, it was really fun to watch. It really, you know, when you start thinking about social media and technology and how crappy it is sometimes and how it can tear people apart. This was actually a really fun event. And even tonight we're recording Parks and Rec, which is going to be a Zoom show or something. That's kind of interesting. So, we're, you know, people, entertainment is adapting, but it was fun. We're recording it, it, it as really well. Fun. Yeah. So, anyways, that was just a, a little thing that popped up this week that I wanted to kind of touch on. And But can you believe it's been a year? Does it feel like a year to you since Endgame? No. When you first said it was a year, I, I had to think. I'm like, was it really? Oh, yeah, it was the end of April because mm-hmm. Marvel now has extended the summer months, April through October, I think. Right. Half the year is now summer for the blockbusters. But let's face it, Marvel can open a movie just about any time and make boatloads of money. So when I thought about it, I was like, holy cow, it has been a year. I, doesn't feel like it, and it's hard to believe. It feels longer to me. I, I feel sometimes it feels longer to me with everything that's gone on since, in this year. It just feels yeah. like that's like two years ago. Maybe yeah. it's just me. Well, you know, for me it doesn't. For me, it feels like it was just a couple months ago. But you know, I had a, uh, I had some time to myself this summer, as you know. So that yeah. ate up some of that, and then you know, now I've been. Like everyone else in the U.S., well, most people in the U.S. stuck at home. So it's really, this whole last year has really distorted my sense of time. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, it was fun. Um, I would check out their feeds, the Russo Brother feeds. They'll, they'll leave some nuggets on there. They, had, they tweeted a really nice capper to the whole evening where they showed uh, the Iron I Am Iron Man part in Endgame at the end. When they, they were in the screening, the first screening of the film. Uh, public screening of the film and they were in the back and they videotaped uh, the reactions and it was really cool so check out their twitter feed and it's it's a fun little clip it'll 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 make you feel all good inside that's awesome that's awesome so, it's hard to believe that in that just the last year we've only seen one other marvel film i know no i realized that this was kind of like a all right let's catch our breath 
and let's, you know, start phase four. And then obviously COVID happened. So now we're really going to have to catch your breath because who knows when we're, we're going to see a Marvel film next. Yeah, I think they're going to release that uh, Black Widow on Disney Plus or something like we talked about before. We'll see. We'll see. So that's just a little tidbit there. I really want to jump into the Clone Wars. Now, you're all caught up, right? I am. In fact, it's funny because I... I've I've had a, a couple of our fans on our page uh, reach out to me and like, dude, did you watch the last episode? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm like two or three episodes behind. And I even told you that I think last week. I'm like two or three episodes mm-hmm. behind. So I'm like, you know what? I'll get I'll get caught up so we can talk about it tonight. Everyone's been raving about it. And then I watched the episode. And it turned out to be I was on episode ten. So when I got done, I was like, oh, I was oh. only just one episode behind. I'm caught up. <laughs> so you were on. You saw the uh, the full arc then. What so? You, what was the gap between um, nine and ten then? How much time between? Did you was it a full week then for you? Or? Yeah, I think at least a week. So, what episode ten came out last week, Friday, technically midnight, mm-hmm. or whatever. I right. watched it today, so I waited almost six days. So for me, it was about a week. But I, I don't know because I wasn't watching them the second they came out. It felt like longer. Sure. I thought I missed more, but apparently I caught up. I didn't realize Good. it. Well, I rewatched them again today because I want to make sure I did my due diligence and didn't miss anything. So let's talk about part one of the story arc. And if I remember, what is the title of that one? I don't know. I should. Anyways, part one. Let's call it part one. Wasn't it? Wasn't it the Phantom Apprentice part one? No, that's just the that's just part two's name. Okay. Um, Part one was is called uh, Old Friends Not Forgotten. That's it. Thank you. You are correct. So I'm not correct. That's Wikipedia, not me. Nobody knows. Uh, uh, no one needs to know how the sausage no. made, Joe. No, they, it's okay. We're all about <laughs> transparency here. You know, we're full transparency. So this episode, we brought it brought us the reunion of Ahsoka with the Jedi's Anakin and Obi Wan, and. To me, it was it was really, really it was it really started me on this track of just totally digging the season. It felt very Star Wars to me. I I loved um, the pacing. I, I'm always surprised at how they pace these shows. So much happens in 25 minutes. It's almost it's same with like the Mandalorian. Like when we talked about, it. there's so much happens in these you know 30 type 30 minute shows that man, I don't even know how they pack it all in there, but they do, and it's all digestible. Um, it's to me, it's a tribute to the storytellers, and whether you like the story or not, that's a different conversation. I, I, you know, but I think they pack a lot in there. Yeah, I think props, major props, need to go to Filoni. I know you've been a fan of his forever. Yeah, I really didn't pay attention to who was doing the shows until you mentioned how great he is. And since you've mentioned that, and obviously his work that we've seen in The Mandalorian, and now what I'm seeing now in season seven of The Clone Wars. I got to hop on that bandwagon. There, There's no one else. You know, Filoni, Favreau, and, and Lucas. Those are the three people I want to see shepherding Star Wars from now on. Yeah, for sure. So when Ahsoka reunites with Anakin, I thought it was really interesting. Like, he almost was childlike. And not he was almost like the Padawan. <laughs> she was all business, man. Yeah. Well, you know, she's got a little bit of a chip on her shoulder, and rightly so, because... Well, she got spurned by the Jedi, you know. She she is right. not happy. Right. 
Now, let right. me and, ask and, you a question, being that you've, mm-hmm. you know, stayed up to date the whole time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we see here in, you know, this season, season seven, we see her on her, you know, her speeder bike or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, how much time had elapsed from when she was accused by... When she left, when she left the order and so between season six and season seven? Yeah. I don't know the full timeline. I'm thinking about eight to 12 months, I'm guessing. Okay. And Somewhere. that's fair. Like, I, cause I, cause as you know, I have watched maybe seasons one and two, maybe three, but I dropped off somewhere around there. So I picked up instead of catching back up on all of them, which I still plan on doing at some point, especially because I'm enjoying season seven so much. I jumped in head first into season seven just so I could watch it and review it with you. And I've enjoyed the hell out of it. But for me, because it showed all the flashback of when she, you know, was, when the Jedi doubted her and then you find out that she was exonerated for me, it felt like the next day only because right. I hadn't been paying attention or watching that whole period of time. So I, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, they didn't have the, it's not like the announcer come on and say eight months later and car, you know, they didn't, you know, that getting tell us how much longer it was. And that's fine. As long as I know it's not just the next day that that's, that works for me. That's what I need to know. Yeah. I, I don't believe it was. No, she put some time and that was, that was the beginning of this season is kind of show her, Slightly more, slightly more mature, but not knowing where her where she's going to go to, and she meets you know the sisters there. But what struck me about this episode is, you know, we've got a lot of things that are tying together. We've got Mandalorians that are coming in, yep. right? And it's the sister of of Satine. If you guys know who Satine is, that was earlier in the Clone Wars and a former, I'll say, love interest of Obi Wan. From a, even a time before we got to know who they were together. They weren't during the Clone Wars, but prior to the Clone Wars, they had a relationship, um, which is told in earlier seasons of the Clone Wars. So she was the leader who was overthrown, killed, and now Maul is running Mandalore. And she recruits Ahsoka to come to get the Republic to come help her get it back. Now, and we're real, real, real quick aside. Do they show Maul taking over Mandalore in previous seasons? Yes. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. Yeah. That's that's the stuff that's cool, man. Like it gets better. Like it. it like I'm not gonna lie. It, it, it's same with like Rebels. Like the first season and a half, it, it, you got to get through stuff. Um, there's a lot of setup, but then it really pays off if you put your time in. Um. So the the trick is, you know, they call her now. If you know. If you watch Rebels, the word fulcrum means a lot. Uh, so you'll have to get into Star Wars Rebels. But she contacts the Republic by the use of the term fulcrum, which is the kind of the hidden uh, band, uh, radio band of the Republic, and which is used later on uh, in Rebels. And you'll see why. But she uses it and fulcrum gets there. So um, they get on the ship and they find out, you know, Anakin and Ben – or Obi-Wan find out that it's Ahsoka and they, they talk it over and they ask for the help. But what, what struck me here was the way she kind of dressed down the Jedi order or even, you know, Obi-Wan who was, you know, very strict in his thoughts of, you know, the Jedi order of, he will not go against them and he will not think with his feelings. Um, so when Ursa Ren asks for the help, 
they say they're going to try the, you know, he has to consult with the council and Ahsoka just dresses him down saying, well, you're just trying to, you're just going to help uh, the chancellor and not, not the Republic, even though they were called to help because they were being attacked on Coruscant. A Coruscant was being attacked, so they pulled away, and Ahsoka kind of dresses down Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan says that's not fair, and she's, she's like, I'm not trying to be fair. To me, that was like her like becoming her own person and, and breaking away. And, and um, you know, Obi-Wan was Obi-Wan. He was a true Jedi, and Anakin's in the middle trying to like – you can see him physically saying, I, these are both my friends, and I don't want them to fight. <laughs> He's like, right. well, maybe we can. I can create a battalion, and and, and Rex can lead it, and she can just build and, and Obi Wan. But I think what's interesting with that whole dynamic was Obi Wan wanted them to do that. He just couldn't do it. <laughs> he couldn't break with the order, so he kind of led them to those decisions. I don't know. What was your take on all that? Um. Well, for me, it was. Uh, I personally have a, a thing lately for the gray Jedi or. Someone that's not a Jedi or a Sith, and a force user, basic force user, then right, right. So Ahsoka has been interesting because she has shown in the last few episodes. Now, mind you, like I said, I haven't caught up on the rest of the seasons, but in the last few episodes, she's incredibly powerful. Yeah, really powerful. I didn't realize that. I mean. My well, remember, like I said, I've only watched like the first season or two, and and then she's still very much a Padawan. She's still very much a teenage girl. Whereas at this point, I mean, I don't know how long the Clone Wars actually lasted. Was it what five, six years or something like that? Six seasons. No, oh, I mean the, like the actual war. The actual Clone. Um, yeah, I would say something like that. So, if she's starting out as a young teenager, she is either you know, an older teenager or a young adult at this point. Correct. She was probably like 13 at the beginning of the Clone Wars. Right. So my memory of her is as this, like I said, you know, when she first came out, like what? Uh, uh, Anakin has a Padawan. How is that possible? And she's just this kid. But obviously since, you know, the first show or the first season came out all those years ago, she's become a fan favorite. Absolutely. So, it's interesting for me to kind of see it differently through that lens and that I experienced her as here's this new upstart that, you know, at least at, at first people are kind of like, who is this? So now I right. see her and she's very confident. Um, she's very powerful and, you know, she still calls Anakin, you know, master, but right. there's reverence there and a, a respect and honor that she gives to him. But, She's also her own person now. So I really liked that aspect. Like when she came into that room, um, you know, when she came into the room and there's Obi-Wan and Anakin. Um, if she didn't address him as equals, cause she still called him master, but she definitely had this air of you're not better than me just cause you're Jedi. Right. She's I mean, definitely her own person. And, and all Jedi's call themselves like Master Window. They still say that to each other as like Sir. But the point you're you're saying is well taken. It's she is her own. It's not bowing down or or thinking she's less for sure. Yes, yes. And I I really like that aspect because you know it, it kind of shows again. Not everything is black and white. Not everything is Sith and Jedi. And it makes you wonder how many other Force sensitive characters are out there and it really 
I mean, I know we're going to see the High Republic coming up, which is going to be the, you know, the, the golden era of the Jedi. And we're not going to have very many Sith because how can you? Because right. as far as they know, the Sith are obliterated. But that really kind of opens the door to how many other Force-sensitive or Force-using characters are going to be out there that are not necessarily aligned 180 degrees away from the Jedi, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's interesting. And I, I part of that conversation where she had with him, well, I'm going to bring back up in part two because Obi-Wan and, and Ahsoka have another conversation, which is timely. Um but what was really cool, though, and it's it's early in the episode, so I kind of washed over. I didn't mean to. I just had it further down in the notes. When Anakin brings Ahsoka to meet her old squadron and what they did and what Rex did um, and basically made, like, uh, Ahsoka clones, you know, her troop, that was pretty cool. That was, that was, a, that was a nice honor. It was pretty sweet. Yeah. It, it was very, very cool. I mean – you really get to understand the clones throughout the season and, and what you think are nothing people. This is what is really what the whole the whole series is about. You know, it's it's about not throwing people away, right? Like if you look at it as like a corporation, so to speak, on the outside everybody looked the same, right? Even on the inside, but but the clones found a way to be themselves, right? They found a way, you know, they may have all started the same as like the same embryo and, and all created, but through life, they all became different people. Yes. And whether they mark themselves with a tattoo or the, their hairstyles or whatever, they found a way. And if you notice, if you really watch the episodes, she tries to remember all their names and dresses them by name. Yes. I think even one, yes. one trooper was down and, and, and she said, you're, I forgot his name, but you're such and such, right? And he says, yes. And so like, that's a big deal to them, right? That's why they gave her the respect because it wasn't about using them to destroy things or to kill. It was working with them as a team and she would go in there with them. Yeah. She sees the other people. Yeah. Yep. Whereas unfortunately, and that's what the whole, yeah. uh, The Jedi really don't. Not a lot of them. Anakin did. If if you want, you have to, again, you have have to do some catch up work on on the series, but Anakin did and you'll, you'll see a couple of Jedi that don't. And there's there's actually a, a couple of episodes about that. I think there's a four episode arc about that. But yeah, I mean, point being, yeah, some of know. the Jedi kind of treat them as basically organic, uh, you know, battle droids. Nope. Yeah, exactly. And that's what's cool about this series is it really kind of. I mean, think about the um, the guy that does that their voices. Like he does all their voices, yet they're all slightly different. Yes. That's a heck of an act. That, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's a heck of an acting thing, man. And I know it's sticking in my head, and I know it's not super important, but was it Jesse? Was that the name of the clone? Jesse was one of them, but not the one that was down. Okay. It was a different one. But yeah. well, she did remember. You're right. That I know that's more in part two. I don't know if we're getting into that yet, but yes. Not yet. Not yet. That part that, jumped out at yeah. me. Yeah, it was cool. So he gives, you know, he he, see, he introduces her to her full squadron, and then he gives her the lightsabers that she had. Which is one of those one of those moments, you know. See, that's again. This is how much I don't know. I didn't realize she wielded two. One, which was like a, mm-hmm. a dagger, a, longer than a dagger, but basically, you know, she's she's working with. I don't know what the. I don't know what the names are because I don't know Japanese culture now. But one's a katana, and the other one I forget what the short sword is called. But you, they use them in tandem. Yeah. So, 
I, I didn't realize that. And that's how bad a Star Wars fan I, fan I am because so she okay, used there's... two in the first two seasons? Yeah, uh, maybe not the first two seasons, later on, if I remember correctly. I think like season two, end two, somewhere in three. I can't remember. I can't remember actually how she got to them, to be honest. Maybe she just decided that was more her style because that's part of yeah. that's part of the Padawan experience, deciding what your – because I know there's a whole list of different – combat styles for lightsaber fighting right um different schools of thought so that's part of being a padawan she decided this was the form she liked best and these are the sabers she wanted to use you know not for nothing this is going way back to the beginning of this episode even though we're jumping back and forth when when i saw the way they started the episode where there was no real big lead in they just had the lucasfilm but it was the old lucasfilm the Helvetica. Oh yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. I th- you know what? I, I didn't notice it. Well, okay. So I noticed it subconsciously until you said something right now. All I can think was there was something different about how this episode started and I couldn't really put my finger on it. But now that you've said something, now it makes sense. Yeah. They started with the old Lucasfilm LTD stuff and they started with the actual Star Wars theme. They usually don't start Clone Wars that way. They started it with the original Star Wars theme. That's nice. That's well, so. That's, this was this was Dave Filoni. I'm telling you, saying thank you, George. Like this is because this is the last. These are the last four episodes that George Lucas has a hand in. He still, you know, as a production and writing and everything. So this was a really nice tip of the hat, and you know, good for Disney, so to speak, to let them call that out. I got to tell you, you know, just a, a quick aside, because this is what we yeah. do. It's what we do. If the rumors we hear are true, that they're going to try and bring George back in to be more of a story runner to guide, you know, the future of Star Wars. Yeah. They need to. And like I said, again, Lucas and Filoni and Favreau right now are me the holy grail of Star Wars. Because yeah. I know this was only two of the three pieces, but these episodes have been fantastic. And I'll gush about them more as we get towards the end, because I have some things to say. And Good. But I have really enjoyed these episodes, and I'll, I'll save it as, at that for now. So, anyways, let's go back to, as we wind this one down for part one. They... they Fly off, uh, Ahsoka and her her team fly off because now you're talking timeline wise. Anakin and Obi Wan are going to Coruscant to save the Chancellor. This is the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, right? So now we know exactly where we're on the timeline for this particular episode. Can I a quick it's, pause? It's converging from you. Yeah, here's why. If you remember, um, so this is uh, the Clone Wars. That's mm-hmm. the name of this title. Remember there was that micro-series by uh, uh, Tardig? No, I can't remember his name, but the, the micro-series, it was called Clone Wars. Do you remember that? I don't. There was that micro-series they showed. I think all, there were like 15 two-minute episodes. And it was oh, before the Clone Wars. and Because this is called The Clone Wars, but I think the micro-series is called Clone Wars. I have them on DVD. They're fantastic. Okay. But those also showed now 
they showed Maul, you know, invading Coruscant. They saw Mace Windu and all them fighting. And then it all, you know, that was when um, Gar- um, Grievous was first introduced. Mm-hmm. And literally the last episode folds into the ships, um, you know, Anakin and um, Obi-Wan Obi-Wan? flying into the Battle of Coruscant. That's cool. I didn't know that. I'd like to see if that is still considered canon and if it fits into what now they're doing with the Clone Wars and Filoni and all that. I'd like to see if they were good enough to make sure that that all still fits in together. It's possible. Definitely possible. So they go to Mandalore. And it was pretty sweet how Ahsoka gets off the ship. She doesn't need the rocket. <laughs> the other guys do. And she kind of jumps ship to ship, which is, shows her strength, I suppose, so to speak. You know what that reminded um, me of, though? Captain America in, um, not in Civil War, in uh, Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah. Yep. When he th- yeah, yeah, when he jumps. Yeah, absolutely. You want to go jump out and like, you're shooting. Yeah. I never need to shoot. Need to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> that reminded me of that. But it was still cool. Yeah, absolutely. So she, they get down there, and you see. I don't know when, when's the last time you saw Mandalore. You know what? Like I said, I, I don't remember where I le- exactly I left the series off. Okay. I know. So you might want to start back up again when, if you catch back up with season two. Okay. Because that'll, that'll bring you back and bring some people. In, you'll see a lot of these people that are in there now. Um, they finally go and they they, you, and they they are hunting Darth Maul. And when they find him in the tunnel, so to speak. But what did you think of the Maul? I call them Maul DeLoreans. The ones that paint, painted their, uh, their helmets like Maul and put the extra horns and stuff <laughs> i thought it was cool it was a nice you know way to distinguish mandalorians apart and obviously show that they were working for Maul because you know they used a similar coloration and then the extra you know spikes on their helmets it's a cool right. look it's a nice alternate look to the mandalorian armor but you know if i'm being truthful i like the standard mandalorian look but yeah for sure it's it's it, it was definitely a nice touch so when they when they introduced Maul again, I just love how they did Maul in the, in the Clone Wars and in Rebels. Um, spoiler alert for Michael. I'm not sure if you knew that or not. Probably shouldn't have said anything. No, we're good. We're good. Because you haven't watched Rebels. But uh, Sam Witwer is the voice of Darth Maul. But I loved how he approached Ahsoka because he had a plan, right? He had a plan to bring Obi-Wan and Anakin there, which... He talks a little bit more about in part two. But I guess we're kind of getting into part two. It's basically, they kind of show up in, at the end of part one. Right. Right. So that kind of fades out there. So any any thoughts to part one before we move into part two that I missed that, that you want to cover? Um, no, I think, I mean, I enjoyed part one very much. And like you said, you, you covered a lot of the cool stuff, like Ahsoka jumping out and stuff. But let's face it, part one was heavy though cool it was heavy setup yeah for part two yeah absolutely so let's jump right into part two because basically their conversation happens there 
when Maul is telling is, is I like how he plays you because Ahsoka Tano is it like I don't really know you but he does because he's got you know force powers or whatever playing with her and he asks why he didn't they didn't bring Obi-Wan but in his head he knows something's going down he knows that it's going to happen and I was wondering about your thoughts of what you think of Maul what do you think of Maul as a character throughout this? I don't really know your thoughts on him in general. Well, it's hard to say. So again, I, I hate, I sound like a broken record, but I know a lot of his backstory has been throughout the series. I know yeah. that it's been revealed how he survived and how he, didn't he have like more like a spider bottom before and then eventually settled on just the bike. So yeah, he was, yeah, he was thrown, he was thrown with the scraps from Naboo because right? that's where the fight was and in the he survived through hate so to speak to keep him his top part alive he's thrown basically fell down into a garbage chute so to speak and they dump all that stuff off to this this other planet can't remember the name of the planet and he's been living by himself in this kind of cave and he he crafted the bottom part of himself and he kind of lost his mind he was just you know this creature thing and Long story short, the um, Darthamore witches, the head witch, sent his brother Savage Opress to go find him because she knew he was still alive and bring him back. And when they brought him back to Darthamore, um, she rebuilt him and through through dark magic and bringing the the kind of like solving his mental problems so to speak to bring him back to what he was but he's still so full of hate and his need to get back at obi-wan and to some extent the emperor or um darth sidious or whatever you want to call him here uh that's what's driving him and that's why it leads to this area where it, it, it takes a while but it gets to where he's at here where he's a lot more learned and thoughtful before he just attacks right so that was kind of like what you know we only know him as this you know people in the films only know him as this just this great fighting dude who didn't said like two words you know right and here he is yeah. dropping stuff like you know uh, he just talks very intelligent you know what i mean i don't think people knew he was intelligent it's what, what, what I'm, i guess it's a long way is what i'm getting at he's a pretty intelligent guy well, and the funny thing, too, is even though he's no longer technically a Sith directly because he's not working with Sidious anymore, right? I think he is he is very still very Sith-like because he's now got long-term plans and long-term machinations where he's trying to, mm -hmm. well, I don't know if we want to see what his ultimate end goal is quite yet, but right. um, he's playing the long game. Yes, because he has the he has a quick fight with her, right, and kind of tries to get some information out of her, and then says not now, and just force throws her away, and makes her run for later. Yep, yep. Right? he's he's waiting for things to happen. Yes, which is interesting because you know they've established long ago that uh, the Sith are very you know prone to emotion, but I think you know that might be part of like the Jedi kind of being a little bit pompous, right? You know because Jedi are. You know, they, they're they stoic, you know, monk types, warrior monks. And, yep. you know, removing emotion is key and removing connections to other people, yada, yada, yada. But the Sith, 
yeah, they're full of hate, but they can also keep their emotions in check to get to their goals. I mean, look how long it took, you know, Sidious, Sidious right. to mount his plan to take over and become the emperor. And Maul is another example of that. Maybe he doesn't have the long-term goals that Sidious does, but his plans and, you know, with Mandalore here, he's playing a long game. He's definitely playing yeah. a long game. This is not quick revenge he's looking for. Right. Right. I mean, so basically what it ahead. comes down to, this whole thing is a long game. He was trying to lure Anakin here. And we'll get to more of that why. But part of that, too, is he hates Obi-Wan. And why wouldn't he? Oh, yeah. He? So he, he does give a reason. We'll talk about it in a sec why he wants to lure Anakin here. But the part B of that plan is that he wants to hurt Obi-Wan because he wants to slowly hurt him because eventually he wants to kill Obi-Wan. But yes. first he has to hurt. So the time frame between Maul pushing her away and saying later, there's there's a couple of events happen where Ahsoka has a conversation with Obi-Wan. And it, wh why I mean that is it's a very specific point in time. It's now the time where Obi-Wan has already talked to Anakin and is separated from Anakin. And he found time to talk to Ahsoka before he goes after Grievous, right? Yep. And it's a it's a really, really good conversation because they're they're updating Obi-Wan and then then he asks the rest of the Mandalorians to like leave. You want to talk Ahsoka alone. And he tells Ahsoka what the council asked Anakin to do. And she quickly, just like Anakin says, You want me, you know, you want him to spy on him. That's not the way, you know? And um, so Obi-Wan and I, – I, my favorite character is Obi-Wan. I, I think he just wrestles with everything, right? I think he's just a generally a good, good person. and doesn't know he, – he always tries to do the exact right thing and, and fails a lot at doing the right thing. But, you know, even when she says, you know, you do what the council says and he says, oh, the council is not always right. So he – but he's using her to talk – he wants – Ahsoka to talk to Anakin knowing that he can't do it because it's against the code, but he's, he did say he's very smart in a way of, of getting her to think about it. And I, I thought it was a great conversation. Um, a nice little piece of writing. I agree hundred percent. In fact, I'm looking at my notes right here and I made note of that. Obi-Wan, the council isn't always right. That's a huge thing mm -hmm. because I mean, Obviously, as viewers of Star Wars and seeing the prequels and seeing what's happened in, you know, Clone Wars, yada, 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 we know that the Council had a bit of hubris and they got dick punched basically by, you know, the Emperor and Sidious. So, um, and then they, you know, basically destroyed them. They got yeah. a little bit too big for their britches. So, yeah. Obi-Wan realizes, you know, you know, I don't think he wants all of his friends to die, and I don't think he wants, no. you know, the Jedi Council to be destroyed. But I think he does realize, just like he says, they're not always right. They're not perfect. No, I, I just thought it was a really good character building for Obi-Wan, which we've known for – he's one of the only characters we know the most coming from this, the prequels and, and this and that. So I just, I just thought it was a really nice way of bringing – bringing the humanity of Obi-Wan in rather than just the Jedi. Cause earlier he just, like I said, back in the other, this is going back to the last episode that we we're talking about. He, 
says he doesn't let his feelings get in the way, right? He doesn't, he, he does what the council says. And now he goes around that, which he knows things are different. So it was a, it was a pivotal point in, in the episode. Because she turns around, yeah. When he when he's to leave, she turns around and says, "Can you say?" And he just says, "I will." Like they know he he knows what she's going to say, right? I don't know what she was going to say, but he does. Right, right. If we can, I want to rewind just a second. Sure. Um, you had mentioned earlier about how when Maul, you know, said, "You know, not yet." You know, when they started the initial right. battle in the sewers. Did you notice that the music was kind of like a variation on Duel of the Fates? Oh yeah, the music. I mean, that, I had that later on the notes as we go over all of them. But we can talk about the music from episode part one to part two. I mean, there's a lot of I've, I've heard Return of the Jedi stuff in there. I heard some minutes later on. I've heard you know the Fates thing. There's a lot. Just it's just beautiful tie into all the episodes. Yeah, and like I said, when I first heard it, I was like, "Is that Duel of the Fates?" But then it's just different enough, but similar enough to it's. It hints at that, and which makes sense because. You know, Obi-Wan to Anakin to Ahsoka. This is the, you know, this is their lineage of Jedi. So it makes sense that she gets a, you know, a version of that. Yeah. I mean, the, the episode is called The Phantom Apprentice. Right. So I should I forgot to lead with that, but yes. Now I have a question. And is this the first time Darth Sidious is mentioned in Star Wars canon then? No. Okay. Because Maul mentions no. him, but I... I and I had to ask well, no, the, the name Darth. I mean, the name Darth Sidious is in Phantom Menace. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Now, the, obviously, the um, Jedi don't know that until I think Clone Wars, after they talk to Dooku or something. Right. Okay. So yeah. Um. So, with all this happening after the after the talk with with Obi Wan. We go back to fight, and the, the, when they want to go back and fight, you see Maul on the throne, and he has the he has the one clone. He grabbed that one clone, that which was Jesse, right? That's who you wanted. That's who we talked about last time. And he mind he did the Kylo Ren thing, right, to get as much information as he could on Ahsoka. Oh yes, he yes. didn't know he, he didn't really know her. That was pivotal, right? And he says, "Oh, you'll tell me." And he going back to our clone talk earlier, he sees them as pets, like nothing, you know. Yep. Because when when he's on the throne and he, he after he's gotten everything he wanted from him, he didn't even kill. He's like, "Go now, run along to your brothers, like a like a dog, like just go run along." You <laughs> know, it, it was nothing. Yeah, he he doesn't even respect him enough to kill him. No, that makes sense because he just he's nothing. Yeah, and and, I, and now you're setting up that throne room. It's always interesting how the, it's the echoes of Star Wars, and this is where. You can see where Lucas does like the echo thing, right? So this this is again produced and written by Lucas. So this is probably heresy to you, but this is why I think some parts of Rise of Skywalker do work because they do echo what he started. Right, wrong, or indifferent, you know. Um, and that's why I liked this a lot because that now they're facing each other. As Maul tells his people, "Go away! I don't need you." And Ahsoka says, "You guys go because it's just gonna—they're setting up the the big duel that we've been waiting for." And before they do that, though, Maul has gotten all the information he needs, and he really starts dropping some truth on Ahsoka. Yes. So yes, he does. What are your before I I, I ramble a lot, so I, I want your take on this before I give mine. 
on the whole throne room scene? No, just yeah, the whole I'm going to drop truth before they start to fight. Like there's a really interesting conversation and in what happens there. I don't want to ruin anything you have planned, but no, I've nothing planned. What I what I liked about this was that, I mean, he basically says, "Here's the deal: mm-hmm. you got the Jedi on one side, you've got the Sith on the other. Let's shatter them both. Let's just, you know, let, there's another way. We don't have to follow their way." And she actually says, "Yes." She says, "I will help you." Yes. She never says, "I'll follow you." Right. So it's very keen choice of words. Yes. But he correct. was, he was very good at saying, "Look, we are both, we are both pawns in these." You know, there's there's higher ups that that don't know what they're doing, and it's all going to come to an end. It's like he sees it, and she doesn't believe him. She dropped the he dropped the word Darth Sidious. She never heard that name for some reason. I don't know why she hasn't, but it seems like she didn't know who that was. That's what did throw me off. But she's at least entertaining the idea of working alongside him until she finds out that really Maul's master plan is to lure Anakin here to kill him to for two reasons. It doesn't sound so much like Maul wants to kill Anakin to save the galaxy. No. And prevent, you know, he's already had vision, so he's... I don't know that he knows the name Darth Vader, but he has visions of Anakin and he sees Anakin's going to be the big badass. Right. But he wants to kill him for very personal reasons. Number one, it ruined Sidious's plans. Right. That's, yep. He wanted to take Sidious out. Like, or take his, ruin, ruin it, ruin his whole plan. Right. And number two, he doesn't come out and say this, but you know it's there. And I mentioned it earlier. He wants to hurt Obi-Wan. Yeah. And this ties back Which, to everything we know about Maul and his, like you said, he survived on hate. He hasn't stopped. No. He's just honed he, that hate into a fine edge. And yes. has become much more, instead of just lashing out at anything near him and just being pure, purely reactional, he's being proactive with his hate, with his master plan, and it is ambitious because he's trying to, one, piss off Sidious and ruin his plans and kill Anakin because he knows it'll hurt Obi-Wan. And it's part of his master plan to, at some point, kill Obi-Wan and kill Sidious. Yes. And it's all based on revenge. That's how he lives, right? That's everything that's yes. driving him. What was cool, though, is that he was calm. Like Maul was not the. You go back to Phantom Menace, and he and you have Qui Gon Jinn when they're trapped between the, um, I guess, ray shield type things in that that area. But, you know, Qui Gon, you know, sits and, and meditates, and he's just in the other part like a rabid dog, like just, just waiting, waiting to go to fight. And he's nothing like that anymore, right? He is calculated, and I don't know. I, I just think that's interesting where he's come from. Well, it um. It shows the growth in his character as well. So basically, even though he was older, what we're seeing is two halves. And by those two halves, I don't mean, you know, the Jedi and the Sith. Let's face it, they're both gray. If you want, I mean, there's no question that, that Maul is evil. Right. He's not a Sith because he, he he goes a different way. So I hate to say this, but, you know, if Maul was center left or center right, 
then Ahsoka is the opposite. If if Maul center left, then she's center right. Or if he's center right, she he's she's center left. So they're agree. They're yeah. two slightly divergent because they're both gray, but he's more on the darker side. She's more on the lighter side. So what we've seen from you know the first series, first season on, we've seen her grow from a Padawan who's impetuous, who is still very much a child but learning, to now she's starting to become this self-assured, more confident young woman. Maul, similar path. Now, obviously, he was already an adult, but he went from a being of pure just hate and rage and lashing out to, like I said before, honing that hate. He basically using his hate as a um, forge to turn himself into the weapon that's going to, in his mind, take out Anakin, hurt Sidious, hurt Obi-Wan. But he has matured in that he realizes, if I'm going to hurt them all, I can't just come at him Because he, he may not, initially, he physically couldn't. So his physical limitations, you know, being cut in half and all that, kind of prevented that for him. Right. He may not have been able to best them as a, you know, Sith or with his force powers, but through his machinations, yes, he hopes to take him out. So he, hers, you know, she was spurned in a way, but so was he. But they came at it from different approaches. So they're two interesting halves. They have very similar stories in many ways. Yeah, it, was, it was cool to see them finally come together. And I liked how it waited to the, it really built up to that duel. And I got to tell you, out of all, I mean, one of the best lightsaber duels, right, that I've seen, even though it's animation, very fun. Oh, so, so good. So good. Especially, I mean, we're used to Maul and his double, you know, double-ended blade, bam, yep. bam, bam. And other people, I'm sure, are used to her with her dual blades. But to see those in action and then even see it, she lost her main blade for a while and she was using just her, her short right. blade to defend herself. But And she was doing right. it. This lightsaber battle was better than, okay, most every other lightsaber battle we saw within the new sequels. Oh, for sure. There wasn't any great lightsaber d- duels. The No duels. I mean, there was a badass lightsaber scene, obviously, in... I know you didn't like the movie. Um, no, I liked parts the of the movie. Jedi. No, it was a great scene. I mean, I'm, The throne uh, room was, scene was, with the light... You know, great. Taking on the guards. Badass. Absolutely fun. No doubt about it. Very, very cool. So badass. But... No, this is a little bit easier because it's animated, so you're not actually having to do all the special effects and train the people for ah, months to do it all. You but know. it was a little harder because, you know, you kind of led me into this. Um, what was really cool is they got Ray Park back to play Darth Maul to moke at him. Yes, so they can get his motions the same. I mean, yep. you can just tell that even if you saw other lightsaber duels in um, Clone Wars, this was different. They did something different here. They used newer technology to get it better than it's ever been. And having Ray Park come, I mean, having the physicality of Maul makes him Maul. Like, you can't just, you know, it just changed everything. And then they got um, Lauren Mary Kim, who who did Ahsoka, uh, played her. And for little known fact, she played the, the Iron Worker in the Mandalorian show. So, all in the family there. But... Showing how they did that mocha, it just made everything so fluid and great. And then, then the um, I did see a, a making of this, so which it's really um, 
really interesting. They take the mocad of Ray Park and then they amplify it to make it just a little more animated. So it's, when he jumps, they make him jump slightly higher. When he do, you know what I mean? Like when they thrust, it's a little bit right. more just to kind of give it because it's animated. You want to give it a little more than you can really do, and, and it uh, it really works. But man, it just made like all the moves that he did with the elbows and stuff he did with Qui Gon. It was all there, and, and you know he didn't really know. And now. I'm going to go, my thoughts are he didn't want to kill Ahsoka. He still wanted her. Otherwise, he wouldn't have asked her again at the end, one more chance or you'll die. Um, so that whole time, he wasn't trying to kill her. I believe. No, but I don't think it was for some kind of altruistic reason. No, no, no. But he wanted to use her. He wanted to use her for sure. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yes. Yes. Here's my flip side of that question. She saves him. Like, he falls. He, he should have plummeted and fallen to his death, and that's it. Done with Maul. She saves him. Why? Information. Capture him. Bring him back to Coruscant and say, "What? who's Darth Sidious? Who's all these things? He, she wants to know those answers. That's my take. Okay. Like, why? I mean, that's a lot of knowledge that he dropped. Right? That this whole thing's going to fall. Darth Sidious and playing both sides, I think that she wanted to get him back to Anakin and they'll be in the council to see what they could learn, you know, for the betterment of the people, for sure. So one of those, he's worth more to us alive type things? Well, remember back in the episode, which is, I, I can't believe I skipped it, was very, very important because that conversation, she just learned from Obi-Wan that they could have learned more, but Anakin killed Dooku. We couldn't question him. You're right. So that's excellent foreshadowing. Yeah. So again, it's one of those Filoni writing things. Like he's really good at that. If you you you're watching and go, oh oh, then he told us everything in the first two seconds. You know what I mean? He's very very good at that. Um. So yeah, it shows. Yeah. Again, I mean, Anakin obviously goes dark and becomes Vader. We all know that. But this shows her inherent goodness and how she might be better than Anakin. Yeah, for sure, she could be. God, that's that's brilliant. I, I hadn't thought of that. You're right. I can't tell we you. We could have learned more, but Dooku's dead, yeah. so she saves Maul. Yeah. If you can't have Dooku, who's the next best thing? Yes. Maul. Right. So she learned from Obi Wan. She respects Obi Wan for sure. She's upset with him at the beginning, but I think the respect. Um, I, I I can't tell you, Michael, how I'm excited for you if you ever start to watch Rebels. Because it's, well, here's the thing. Because this. This segues into Rebels, right? Yeah. I mean, we there's a lot of callbacks in Rebels back to this show, right? There's a lot. There's some callbacks, but there's also the way it's written. And it's Star Wars. Like, you know, it's Filoni doing what he does. And, and you know, I, I just – if you like this, you'll like Rebels. Are there going to be some goofy episodes? You're going to be like, yep. But it's, it's really good. I can't wait to finish this and then um, get into Rebels, watch Rebels again. I'm tempted to finish season seven and then just jump right into Rebels, or maybe oh, I, should I go back and watch the rest of Clone Wars? Or I'm doing that. I'm watching the rest of Clone Wars, but I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do a little back and forth, like one day this, one day that. I'm in a quarantine anyways, and I'm working, so <laughs> why not? Um, so I have a question for you. Does do these two episodes help make Revenge of the Sith a little bit better, or are you still like fuck it? I don't care about the prequels. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my opinion is always evolving and changing. Um, 
I don't want to start a huge argument. No, same argument. There are sometimes, well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm what I'm about to say. I don't want to start a huge argument or debate. It's for another show. Right. But there are times I think maybe the prequels were better than the sequels. Yeah, there's definitely better story. Right. So a part of me is. So does it make the prequels better? I don't know because yes, this is canon. But it's 20 years later. I don't know if it makes all the prequels, but I, I do want to watch. I think Revenge it shows of... us what the prequels could have been. Yeah. Yeah. That the prequels probably deserved better. Does that make sense? Yeah. But also the prequels are what set this up. You know? So like. Yeah. I know. And I know you're a big proponent of you can't have, you can't have B without A. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, this helps set it well, up. Well, I mean, yeah. just. For you, you say Star Wars is better than Empire because Star Wars, you, you wouldn't have Empire without Star yeah. Wars. Intrin- so intrinsically, see, it's better. Is your opinion, yeah. yes. Well, you couldn't start the whole series with Empire. You're like, what's going on? <laughs> I understand that. And so using that same logic, I think we had the same discussion before. For you, Terminator is better than Terminator 2 because Terminator 2 wouldn't exist without Terminator. Right. See, I... You know me, I don't follow that logic. So, for me, I think this shows what the prequels could have been and shown. But, you know, that said, these are are TV shows. So, they have had longer to build. They've had more time. You know, in the span of three or four episodes, you know, they cover the same amount of ground that you would time-wise in a film. Whereas, we're getting 12 episodes. So, really... This is like getting several movies. Right. So I don't know if it's a fair comparison, but I'm going to say this. And I think I said this offline before the show. Yeah, I think you're. I think I, think I know where you're this, going. You're leading into our. Well, I'm going to call it our last debate for the evening because it's going to be a good one. Okay. For me, I think the future of Star Wars is TV. Yeah. Very well. Well, could be. I, I don't know. I, I do want to see the big screen stuff. I want to see what they can do with that, but. They're delivering on the small screen and with streaming and with the world out of production. I mean, who knows what the hell is going to happen, how they're going to produce any entertainment in the next two years, let alone, you know, how they figure this out. Um, Animation can all be done separately, right? (laughs) Animation can be quarantined off and you can have people do their voices in their home studio and they can can, can can recreate animation without full production. So who knows, right? But I'm I'm leaning towards you, man. I, I... we're getting some of the best Star Wars we can through television right now. Like, there was more character development, more tension, more action, and a better lightsaber battle than in anything we saw in The Rise of Skywalker in these last three episodes. Yeah. I can't argue that. Or last two. So. I can't argue that too much. I don't know. You know? What's that? I can't argue it that much. I, I don't disagree. There, there's. I don't know about the tension part. I think Kylo Ren had a lot of really good tension in Rise of Skywalker. I thought he was great. That character had a lot of good stuff going on there. But, but it's hard to deny what they've been doing in television. And I'm interested to see where this goes. We have two episodes left. The next one's called Shattered. So that's Order sixty six is going to happen. So what happens after? Are they on Coruscant? Did she take them back to Coruscant? Is are they going to? Is she going to see Anakin at the Jedi Temple? 
um, you know, we're, who knows where this could go? Will she get there and everything's gone? Um, will she talk to Obi-Wan again? Tell her to go into hiding? Like, we don't know, right? There's a, there's a, you know, does she let Maul go because of Order 66? Or does the clones flee? You know, do the clones go after her because she's not a Jedi? Or do they let her go? You know, I, I know, you know, Rex is an interesting character because, you know, he, he's, so, sorry if I spoil this for you, but he is in Rebels. I know he's in Rebels. Okay. I, I, there's a lot I already know about Rebels, and I know Rex is in it, and I know that the uh, the prevailing theory is that the old man on Endor is actually Rex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I've heard those theories. There's no spoiler there. So, so yeah, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, it just makes everything exciting because where they ended up deciding to, to end this series, so intertwined with with the saga. I think that's what makes it good too. It's like it's not just a show that's not a part of anything. It kind of brought it into it. So yeah. And when I say Star Wars, like I said, when I say the future of Star Wars is on TV, that includes the Clone Wars, but it also very much includes Mandalorian, right? Now. That's what I mean. Yeah, everything. And you know, we've they've um, got a few more actors for the uh, um, the Rogue One. What's oh my god, my mind. where's my mind? It's Cassian the Cassian Endor series. Yeah, they got another actress that's and that the, the same actress that played Mon Mothma, Mon Mothma in Rogue One, which I watched today again because I could. I love that movie. Um, so yeah, I mean that's looking good. You know, it's, there's a lot of a lot of good stuff happening for television for Star Wars. So I'm excited to see what happens in the next two episodes. Um, should we leave it to the next two episodes and finish it that way instead of doing it one in one? I don't know. We can talk about that. Next we'll talk about that. Week. So that's my take. I loved it. Anything I missed that you wanted to talk about for these episodes? I, again, going back to the lighting, the color, the animation to me is amazing. The, the music is amazing. Like they spared no expense, as they say. For oh yeah, yeah, and just like you said, you know, it was really hyped for me. Uh, some of our fans had reached out to me. Uh, either through our site or through my personal uh, social media. And I, I was hearing things like, oh my God, you know, I, I gasped when I saw, you know, this happen or, you know, this was amazing. So I went into it thinking, all right, well, this is pretty, you know, so people are hyping this. And I can sometimes be overhyped and come in and go, eh, it's just okay. Right. But I went in and thought, that was badass. Why can't we see stuff like this in the films? So. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I yeah, so I don't think we've we've un, left any stone unturned. Star Wars is in solid hands on the small screen. Yeah, yeah, that's a great place to leave it. I had fun watching the episodes. I can't wait to the next one. Um, hopefully, our the people in our that listen to our podcast enjoyed uh, the Clone Wars. Hope they still enjoy it. Um, you know, if you did enjoy it, then. Tell them, tell everybody where they can share their stuff, Michael. You want to share? Share with us, please. See us on Facebook, on Twitter, and Instagram. Look for us under KyberCast. If you can't find us that way, look for The KyberCast. We're very interactive with our fans. Drop a message. We'll probably reply. Cool. And you can find The KyberCast on all sorts of platforms from Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Pocket Casts, uh, iHeartRadio now. We're on there. Um, what do you listen to, Michael? Podbean? What is it? Yeah, Podbean. Podbean. So 
Give us a listen there. Share with your friends. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts because that does help podcasts get move up and more people get to listen to it. Um, So we appreciate that. Uh, Please uh, share with your friends. And until next time, thanks for listening. I have spoken. What a piece of junk. Boring conversation anyway.